Hey guys, this is your host, Ryan Sebastian. Uh, I want to thank you for making this podcast a part of your day today. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you have not subscribed, I would recommend doing that. That way you can stay up to date on what's going on on the podcast. Um, I am really excited about... Uh, who are we going to be talking about, uh, or talking to rather, today? Uh, we're going to be talking to a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Michael Braddock. And we're going to be talking about something that I really do believe that everybody in ministry runs into eventually one form or another in their ministry. But before we dive into that, I want to take a little pause and listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor. It's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Covenant Eyes, and start protecting your home today. Again, guys, I am really looking forward to this week's uh, topic. We're going to be talking about uh, the what I like to coin the fifth year hurdle. Um, I've talked to quite a few of my uh, friends and other people outside in, in ministry uh, around the country. And one thing I'm hearing a lot is around the fifth year of ministry, of doing ministry, uh, there is a hurdle or hardships or discouragement that happens around that fifth year of doing ministry at one location. And I've experienced it. Uh, Michael uh, has experienced as well. And uh, we wanted to take some time to kind of flesh out what our struggles were and kind of how we overcame uh, those struggles uh, with our fifth year of ministry. And again, uh, I'm really excited by talking to uh, Michael. I got to talk to his wife, Heather Braddock, uh, about a, a few weeks ago, uh, and she was on the podcast. I was really excited to have him as well this week as we kind of flesh out um, how to overcome uh, this fifth year hurdle. So stay tuned and listen to this week's episode as we talk with Michael Bragg.
Well, guys, I am super excited about uh, what we're going to be doing today on the podcast. We're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, it's kind of like an interview, except it's going to be a little bit different uh, type of interview, like I've said uh, last week and a couple weeks ago, that we're going to be changing some, some things up a little bit on the podcast. Uh, but today's topic is something that I've been wanting to kind of talk about for a while because it's something that um, I have struggled with um, and many uh, ministry friends have also kind of struggled with this as well is as when you hit a fifth year of ministry, sometimes there's walls of discouragement and things that we hit uh, during that fifth year. So I kind of wanted to bring on a good friend of mine, uh, Michael Braddock. Um, to, for both of us to discuss this uh, today. But before we get into that, how about Michael? How about you kind of introduce yourself a little bit for those who don't know you? Yeah, my name is Michael Braddock. I'm a student pastor at uh, First Baptist Church in Bluff City right now. I've been in ministry for, this is my 11th year of ministry right now. So I've been in student pastor and youth ministry the entire time. Uh, a lot of times, though, many hats uh, in in con- in combination with that children's ministry, college ministry, things like that. But my primary focus has been has been youth ministry. Okay, so what, uh, what I want us to do today, and kind of of course, Michael, you and me have kind of talked about us. I want us, both of us kind of talk about things that we struggle with uh, within our fifth year of of ministry. And and again, um, just let those you're listening, we have not talked about. Uh, what uh, are a list of things we struggle with? This is completely uh, off the cuff uh, for both of us. Uh, but I want us to talk, uh, both of us, to talk a little bit about, about what we struggle with uh, in that fifth year of ministry. And then we're going to later we're going to talk about um, some things that we both done to kind of overcome uh, that difficult part of our ministry. So, uh, Michael, since you're the guest, I'll let you go first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that fifth year of ministry is, is an interesting one. Mine uh, was broken up uh, along two different churches. I served at one church just outside of Dallas, Texas for not quite two years and then uh, transitioned to my current position where I'm at right now. So, but the, the five years of ministry, it's, it's an interesting part because you're trying to figure out who you are as a youth pastor, what your style is, because Going through, uh, whether you're seminary or not, you've gone through training, you've gone through discipleship, and it's, it all changes, though, when, it, when it's your baby, when that ministry is your responsibility and, and you are leading that. And so a lot of times over the course of the first couple of years, you use some different strategies that you've heard from this person or gained from this person or things that you've personally experienced when you were in youth ministry. But then in that fifth year of ministry, you kind of start to develop who you are as a youth pastor. And alongside of that, though, is a lot of the newness of being a youth pastor has, has worn off by then, or just in ministry in general, has, has worn off by that fifth year. Uh, the honeymoon phase for you being in youth ministry or being in ministry has worn off. And a lot of times by then, the, the honeymoon phase of the church that you're serving at has worn off. And, and so then you're left with, well, who, who am I as a student pastor? What do I need to do? And trying to, trying to catch your groove, trying to get used to, to some of the things that 
that you're trying to identify with and take ownership of. And so while that's an interesting and fun time, uh, it can also be very discouraging uh, because honestly, a lot of times in that fifth year of ministry, you're finding that it becomes increasingly more difficult in your ministry to, to reach students. Students uh, five years down the road are dealing with different things than when you first got into student ministry. And so you're trying to fight the, the change, fight to fight doing the same thing that you're used to doing over and over again, because what worked for youth ministry five years ago may not work the same in youth ministry today. Now, obviously, preaching and teaching of God's word never changes. God's word never changes, and it's just as powerful and as authoritative as it used to be. But just cultural things and and uh, trying to trying to deal with the dynamic of the youth ministry is is interesting. So the the five year mark is is really a challenge of what do I need to change? What do I need to keep? What are some things that worked that haven't worked? And, and trying to find a balance. That's actually, uh, I have three things on my list that I wrote down, but I, that was actually one thing that I struggle with as well. That's actually not on my list is uh, we just mentioned about trying to find out who you are. And typically right. I would agree with that too. For the fifth year is pretty much about fifth years when you kind of figure out where you are at uh, in ministry wise for as what's working, what's not. And, and you start figuring out who you are as a, as a youth pastor in your context. Um, so I, I, I agree with that. And I, that's kind of described me as well when um, I had this preconceived idea of what I was going to do and all that jazz. And then when I entered it and especially at, at, it still had this idea, this honeymoon phase and at the fifth year, uh, all that in a sense that that expectation of myself kind of fell apart a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I should have had that on my list, but didn't make it. Uh, but that is on my list now. Um, but my one thing that, uh, I hit my, my fifth year, uh, was, and kind of, it's kind of linked to some of the stuff that you just mentioned is, uh, talking about discouragement for me. Uh, my biggest thing when, when, uh, when it comes to, is cause of discouragement. There's several things that kind of leak to that. And part of it is the honeymoon phase is gone. Uh, that's part of it. And part of it was for me is I was seeing an, a, a growth numerically uh, within my, within our ministry, my ministry uh, to a point where I was almost going to have to move out of our youth room because I was getting, I was getting 80% yeah. capacity and once you get 80% capacity, that's when you have to start making decisions on uh, oh, yeah. changing Absolutely. locations. So I was going to that point, And then I was in my fourth year, then all of a sudden my fifth year rolls around um, and my numbers are dropping. Uh, not quite half, but I say about a third it dropped. Um, and I just remember trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Uh, is it something I'm doing, something I'm not doing? Um, did I offend people, do something that was, was offensive that I didn't know about? Uh, just all, all these little, all these, um, questions kept running in my yeah. head. So that just seeing, just seeing the miracle decline, um, kind of, kind of was causing a lot of that discouragement. So 
so for for me for me that was probably my, my one of my biggest struggles in my my fifth year that kind of uh, leaked some more stuff and maybe realized some, there's some more stuff in my heart and and my ministry that I needed to change and I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, we we both experienced something something similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In our fifth year. The the fifth year of, of ministry for me, uh, we had kind of exploded in growth for the the third and fourth year, especially. I mean, we had more than doubled our our numbers uh, in like six months, which you know, at on the surface level is is, is awesome. And anytime that you know you can get new faces to hear the gospel is is an amazing thing. Uh, unfortunately, though, it wasn't the the sustainable, healthy growth. Uh, in that there there were kids coming, but we had a, a very large percentage of of our kids of that new growth were unchurched students that uh, weren't really connected to the to the ministry. They were coming for the coming for the fellowship aspect of it. They were getting the gospel while they were there, but they weren't rooted in their faith. A lot of them weren't saved, and so they weren't looking for and really desiring that discipleship relationship. And so. Uh, within that fourth year and turning into that fifth year, we had especially a lot of uh, a lot of sophomores, freshmen and sophomores that whenever they turned 16, got their driver's license, didn't have to convince you know, mom or dad that, hey, I just want to get out of the house, so I'm going to go to church now. Now they can get out of the house and just hang out with their friends and not have to be dropped off at the church by their parents, that they had other stuff that they were interested in doing. And they wanted to to do their own thing. And so we saw uh, those kind of unchurched students that when they were able to drive and had their own means of transportation, they, they disappeared from our student ministry, uh, you know, because they weren't rooted in their, in their faith. Weren't a lot of them, like I said, weren't even believers. So uh, when they, they jetted and uh, which left a, a hole um, because during the time that we had a lot of unchurched kids, uh, it discouraged some of our, of, of our church students, uh, students that their families are tied to our church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And so that was discouraging for them because some of those unchurched kids weren't acting in a respectful manner, weren't being uh, you know, loving and nice to some of the other students in our ministry. And so it's really hard. And I'm sure you've had experience with this too, Ryan is uh, throughout your ministry ministering to someone that, doesn't care about you at all and is in fact in opposition of you uh, to the point where you know, you're you're you just you would much rather not talk to that person but uh, and especially asking a student to to wade into those waters is tough but uh, but yeah that fifth year of ministry we saw a lot of those students leave and uh, took some of their friends with them and so we we dropped in in our numbers pretty significantly also and uh, that's that's discouraging we know we know numbers are not everything but at, at the same time numbers to other people are a lot of things and, i agree uh, i yeah, agree uh, people that don't necessarily understand student ministry that they just want to see more the more kids means that you're doing a good job uh, and if there aren't as many kids, then, oh, well, you might not be a good enough, doing a good enough job. And, and that, like you said, that, that decline in the numbers that we saw spilled over into my life personally to, 
say, well, if all these students are leaving, whether they're churched or not, is it something I'm doing? What have I done wrong? Am I no longer effective? And that was a question, honestly, that I asked myself on a weekly basis. Uh, after, after church on Wednesday nights, I would see something. Our midweek, our midweek service for us is is kind of our our youth night, and so Wednesday nights after church service, there might not have been as many students there as I wanted, or may have I may have felt like they didn't grasp the lesson or or whatever. And I would ask myself, week in and week out, am I being effective? Am, am I am I cut out from student ministry? And uh, that, that's a tough place to be. No, I agree. I was there same point as well. And trying to figure out, and I, I went, I got so frustrated and discouraged that I, I, I got came to the same conclusion to where God is, are you calling me somewhere else? I, I got to a point where I was, had my resume ready, uh, updated my resume the whole nine yards because I think, think I was thinking that that possibility that that I my tenure here is done right um, got the point and it took me a while uh, to get a, a to realize that numbers fluctuates uh, very much and it fluctuates in ministry and specifically children and uh, teens and students it really does fluctuate a lot uh, and it took me a while to understand that, and also, um, and I I know this, and and numbers is, and you know this as well, but that numbers is also reflects uh, the kids that are coming to your ministry is also a reflection of what's going on in your congregation uh, a lot of times, a lot yeah. of times as well. Um, so if you if you have if you're in a smaller church uh, and you don't have a lot of young families, that's gonna that's gonna translate in in your ministry for children and teens. Um, and our con our context, it was it was I it, it leans a lot towards uh, or there's been, it's been so long that or adults haven't there's like a hardcore discipleship, and it's been it's been since our current pastor has been here, it's gotten better and better year yeah. by year, but it's still not where it needs to be. And it's, and it's going to take a long time to get there and it may right. never get there. We don't know, but is, there's a, there's a disconnect in discipleship uh, that we've been trying to fix in our church, but that also steeps down a little bit uh, in my ministry. And because right. uh, right. you're right, when, when, when the kids, when they're a teenage a student gets old enough to drive, that's a, Big that that decision of wanting to go to church uh, lets you know where their heart actually was, right. and and also to a point where their parenting disciple parent discipleship uh, was, yeah. and that's that's some things I've seen over the over the last few years, especially in the fifth year, I was seeing a lot of my senior high, not a lot, but a good chunk of them. Uh, by the time they get a license, it's like they know that being involved in church is no longer a priority at that point. Right, right. Yeah, which is kind of unusual for me because I may not, you know, I, our stories are a little bit different in our backgrounds in that I wasn't really, uh, you know, we di- we weren't connected to a church on a regular basis. We would go occasionally, but uh, I wasn't really part of a, a youth group. Uh, and so whenever I accepted Christ, uh, I was 16 years old, and so I already had the the power to drive myself. And uh, but you know, I I could see an immediate change, and I drove myself to church uh, a lot of times. You know, just 
just me going to church, uh, you know, without, without my parents or without, you know, I mean, my parents were very supportive of me and my, and growing in my relationship with Christ. And, uh, but a lot of times they, they didn't necessarily come along, but, uh, but so I had to show the initiative and, and I did, I mean, I drove myself to church, you know, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, however often I could. And, uh, so that the dynamic of, of the parents, uh, up until that point though, up until they're 16, a lot of it depends on the the parental involvement and uh, whether it's coming and dropping the, the students off to church uh, or the parents being connected with your ministry already and just bringing their, their children on their way to, uh, to adult Bible study or small groups or to serve in the children's ministry or each student ministry or whatever the case may be. Yeah, the the uh, second thing I had on, on my list, which is also connected to being discouraged with numbers, if mm-hmm. for me at least, was uh, uh, taking. I, I had a. I found out later on. I didn't realize this then. Uh, I realized this in hindsight that uh, what I was doing from uh, in my ministry was trying to control uh, everything in my ministry, um, and I think when God uh, started to remove control out of my hands as uh, far as numbers and some other things that was going on as well. That's when I started realizing that what I was trying to do is trying to wrap my hands around it and make it and control every aspect of my ministry rather than giving it to God, let God take it and run with it. Um, right. and, and some point, uh, uh, a few years ago, and I've talked about this before on the podcast is out at one point, the ministry was always, it was revolving around me. Basically, if I remove myself out of the equation, there wouldn't be a youth ministry. Right. Um, everything would fall apart. And I realized that then, but I really, really started realizing that more and more entering the, the fifth years when everything's around numbers-wise, things weren't working, kids weren't going to certain events like they used to, that I realized I was trying to control everything rather than giving to God, let Him control it. Yeah. Yeah. And you never, you never want to reach a place where you aren't replaceable. Uh, like if you, if you are irreplaceable as a student pastor, then you're, you have not set up your student ministry in such a way that, uh, it's, it's going to be sustainable because realistically you're not going to be there for forever. You're either going to, you know, God's going to call you somewhere else or you're going to reach retirement age or something like that, or you're going to die. I mean, something is going to happen. So where you will not be there for forever. And so, um, you know, but a lot of times as a student pastor, you feel like because of the turnover is so great, 18 months, 24 months, you know, something like that to where uh, youth pastors are, are seeing a lot of turnover. Some, some places it's different, but on average, it's about two years or less that a student pastor is in a, and is in a one, the same church. And so a lot of times we have the mindset that I've got to fight for my position I've got to fight for my job in such a way that I'm deemed as irreplaceable and they, they can't let me go. Nothing bad can happen. Even, even if you know, obstacles come in that I've got, I've got my position because without me, things are going to fall apart when you reach that point. Uh, and, and I'm guilty of, of it too, uh, of certain times being to the point where I try to make 
more of me rather than making the most of God and God using me to the best of my ability. I try to use myself to the best of my ability and try to, to relinquish instead of relinquishing that control to God, taking that control of myself. And so I've, yeah, I've definitely struggled with some of that in my student ministry too. And now I come on to, and unless you have something else you want to throw out there. Um, well, uh, I will, I will say too, is that part of the, the fifth year of ministry is that uh, when I first got into student ministry, I was a, I was a young man. And so I was in my early twenties. And so throughout those first five years, uh, you know, I was married prior to going into youth ministry and then we settled down and we, we started to have a family. We started having children. And so I had a little bit uh, faster than, than a lot of people do. I had, we had our daughter and then uh, 20 months later we had twin boys. So we had three under the age of two. We, we had three still in diapers at one point. So that was very stressful. And so the, you can't help but have some of the, the personal stress in going through trying to raise, raise children with, new, with babies and children. And then at the same time, uh, shortly after my boys were born, about a year later, my wife went back to, to, to work to try to go through her internship and, and do all those things to be a, a professional counselor. And, and so going through all of those things, that was one of the most stressful, just personal times in our lives. And then combine that with the stress of the ministry and not feeling like things are going well there, it just snowballed. And, and it was a cycle of the stress at work and stress in the ministry affected me when I came home. And then that fed the stress of things going home personal life and that stress brought into the ministry. And so it was, it was a cycle that was, that was really, really hard to, to work through. And, uh, but thankfully my wife is, is an amazing woman. She helped, uh, she helped me in, in all that. And, and I'll talk kind of a little bit later about what are some of the things that we can bring that will bring us out of that, that fifth year of ministry uh, issues. But yeah, it's the, the personal things, raising a young family, young kids, all that stuff that definitely was part of and fed the, the flames of, of the trials in these ministry. No, no, I agree. I would say um, the biggest family stress I had uh, was pretty much uh, the pretty much when I got in ministry. Like I was married before I had my first child before I entered, entered the ministry. Uh, we had our second one, our second child when we moved to our current location, our current ministry. Um, so I do agree when, the, when it comes to fam, when it comes to family uh, raising kids and raising and having a family, there is an added stress that comes sometimes can seep in and uh, into your ministry and discouragement. So, sometimes I, 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 I absolutely agree with that. Um, in fact, uh, I would say, and I, I'll say this for me personally, uh, I would say since I've entered ministry, uh, and this sounds, it sounds uh, opposite of what it should be, uh, but since I entered ministry, I've had uh, more marital issues, not bad, but, but more things I've had to go through with, with my wife and we have to work through. And, and, and part of that has to do with uh, being in ministry, you're automatically going to be attacked uh, spiritually. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of a factor in it as well. But 
lot of it also had to do with the fact that that I would at one point was put in ministry before her. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that seeped into this fifth year struggle um, as well. So, I, um, and I again, I uh, talked about how she, my wife, also helped me a little bit uh, through the overcome stages of it as well. But how about, how about we're going to take a little break and kind of shift a little bit? And and those of you who are listening, I want you to understand this too that um, it doesn't matter how long uh, if you've grown up in ministry. Uh, if you think you have a good concept of what ministry is, there is something about about the fourth or fifth year of you're serving in one location uh, that there is that there's some some about that there's discouragement and things thrown at you. Uh, so I want you to challenge you that if you're listening, you think you think that this won't happen to you, uh, it it will one form or fashion may not happen the fifth year. Uh, but around that time, you will enter a time in ministry where you're discouraged and wondering what God is doing and wondering if you're still effective. Well, I, I want to shift gears a little bit, and uh, I want us to talk a little bit about um, what we did to kind of overcome uh, this part, this fifth year discouragement. Um, this time, I'll lead, I'll lead this one. Um, okay, go ahead. But uh, one thing that that I learned after uh, going through the fifth year and all the struggle and discouragement, one thing I learned slowly is that I did not have a proper perspective of, of ministry uh, and leadership. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was having uh, unrealistic expectations for my leadership and um, uh, for for our staff and things we're doing and and looking to change them, realizing that what I actually needed to change was myself um, and my own heart. And that's when that when I got to that point is basically I learned that instead of trying to wait for certain type of leadership, I need to start leading myself. And that's when I, uh, uh, I heard this concept over and over. And actually, it was a good period of time when I was struggling. I was hearing a podcast after podcast after podcast, literally in the same uh, few weeks, um, hearing the same thing over and over again, a different podcast, saying the same thing about leading up. And how about you, about leading yourself, taking the initiative and you leading instead of waiting for uh, waiting for leadership, so that that actually, that actually got me thinking that the problem isn't other people; the problem is myself. And and so at that point on, I really started evaluating myself and evaluating my ministry and how I needed to take the initiative and leading uh, rather than waiting for uh, leadership, ministry leadership to lead. Uh, so that's that's one thing that kind of helped me uh, through that process. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, I, uh, during that time, I recognized that, you know what, it's something's not clicking here and it's what, so what's changed? Um, Well, the students, you know, yeah, we saw growth and things like that, but the dynamic of who students are hasn't changed. Um, My teaching, the scripture, well, that hasn't really changed either. I had uh, similar, the, the same youth workers and youth leaders. Uh, I've got an awesome team uh, that I work with, and uh, they, had, they hadn't changed, right? That we didn't really have a whole lot of turnover in our, in our leadership. So boiled down to, well, 
something about me had changed and uh, it wasn't necessarily the good change. And I needed to, uh, to take hold of, of my personal relationship with the Lord and get down on, on my knees. I needed to humble myself because we had talked about some of the, the issues in that fifth year of ministry was trying to make myself seem like I was really important and that the ministry was about me. Well, when you try to do that and it doesn't work, God has a really, uh, a really unique way of humbling you. And then you're left with, well, that didn't work. I thought I, you know, making myself more important would, because I'm the youth pastor was going to work and, and it didn't. And so when, when you have to drive yourself to your knees and in, in God's presence and say, God, I, I can't do this. You're going to have to lead me and I'm going to allow you to lead me so that I can lead others. Uh, and so that was, that was definitely, I, I agree that that was a huge humbling experience uh, going through, going through that and turning, turning the reins over to God and saying, God, you lead me. How can I be an, a better leader for you so that it can trickle down from me? Yeah. E- even for, even for me, uh, I would say w- and this, and th- one thing that I struggle with and is uh, going back to giving up control. I got to a point where I had to give God control. Um, got to that point, and part of the problem that I was having in my life was a spiritual problem. Um, I was not being dependent on God for ministry. I was being dependent on myself, and that's kind of what we've been both right. been talking yeah, about. Absolutely. And I got to a point where I had to stop being dependent on myself and it, it even seeped into to my time with God. My time with God was probably, uh, was the poorest, um, it's been in a while at mm-hmm. that period of time yeah. of my ministry. And that seeped in to every aspect of my life from, from me being discouraged, the way I was doing ministry, uh, my family, everything uh, was being affected during that time just because I wasn't making God a priority in my own life. I was right. preaching that, speaking that to teens, but I was not actually living it. I was, I was not being, being and doing. I was speaking, but not being and doing. Um, so I came into realization uh, during that period of time that, that I need to get my heart right. Uh, my heart's not way, where it should be. And, right. and that was a process too. And, maybe, and that, during that time period when I was, when I was making uh, giving things up to God and not trying to control things myself uh, was really when I started having a peace about uh, about everything about where my numbers were because uh, I understand that this is this this is where God wants it. I'm not doing. I realize I'm not doing anything wrong. It's not me. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, this is just a period of time where our numbers are lower. Uh, it's, uh, and, and God, the God spurred things in my heart to start thinking about how, how, what are better ways that I can minister to parents? And that's really what started this, this idea of, of, I need to focus more on parents and giving them resources and helping them discipling, uh, their own kids, because that was the disconnect. And I learned that by, by when I, when I started giving God control, God was revealing this to me more and more that the disconnect was actually parents and how to better minister to them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And parents are, I mean, they, they come along with the ministry. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, in 
family dynamics, parents may not be in the picture, but there's some sort of guardian. There's some sort of caregiver. There's some, some person there that is uh, raising that child. And so that, you know, to try to get them involved and incorporated and uh, get the information communicated effectively to them for what you've got going on in your ministry, but also uh, trying to reach out to them is, is definitely a key cog. And I, I think for me personally, too, uh, one of the things that, that helped me overcome that, that rough season of ministry is understanding that it is ministry is, in, is seasons. You're going to go through some, some tough times. You're going to go through some dry seasons. You're going to go through some, some seasons where everything is clicking right. You've got an awesome group and they are discipling other students and, and things are going well. And then you're going to, because you've got these students for five, six years, seven years, sometimes you've got a limited window. And then, so a lot of your student ministry, yeah, it depends on you and the leadership and the people that you have, but it also depends on them and the effectiveness of them. And so during that time, understanding that, you know what, there are seasons that we're going to go through ministry and this is what we're doing right now. And this is where I need to be effective right now and where I need to minister because to meet these students where they're at. Uh, but I would say uh, for me personally, uh, we, I have an amazing uh, network of, of youth pastors around me uh, that, that I w- was able to talk to uh, some that had been in ministry longer than me, some that had been in ministry less than me. Uh, so some of those that had been in ministry longer than I have were able to uh, kind of tell tell me and give me wisdom and guidance to guide me through saying, look, yeah, it's, it's really tough. And maybe God is going to lead you in a different direction, but maybe God just wants you to stick through this and stick to him. And then talking to those uh, youth pastors that had been in ministry for a shorter time than me, they reminded me of some of the, you know, the, the newness, the excitement that first got, you know, drew, drew me into youth ministry after God called me to youth ministry to answer that call and be excited about it and be, uh, to re- be you know, rejuvenated in my passion for student ministry. And, uh, so maybe hopefully, you know, th- there are some student pastors that, that have a similar network, but if not, then there are resources like this podcast, like, uh, like other youth pastors that you can call, uh, to, to talk to but to find somebody that you can surround yourself with is uh, that's been through what you're going through right now. And so I think this, this podcast that that you're doing right now, Ryan, that you, that you've set up, somebody's going to listen to this and they are going to be smack in the middle of this fifth year of ministry. They're going to be dealing with the same exact problems and frustrations, and this is going to minister to them. And I would encourage them, as reach out, reach out to someone that is around you that's been through this before, that can counsel you, that can walk alongside of you, uh, that can pour into you and disciple you and mentor you. Uh, that's that's a hugely, hugely important thing for your success in sustaining a longevity in youth ministry. No, no, I agree, definitely agree about the networking part, and that's something that um, I don't have as as well here um for as locally but i am networked with uh friends in different locations different parts of the country where i have i've talked to them where i'm struggling advice uh, i even have uh, my old youth pastor my old youth pastor who just recently transitioned out of out of 
uh, youth ministry that um, I talk to and get advice as well. So staying, being networked with other pastors, uh, specifically older who, who've, who've been through, uh, been in ministry longer than you, they have a longer tenure than you do. Uh, it's a great way to help you to get some counsel as you, when you're going through this type of struggle. So, so I, I totally agree with that. That's something that I, I preach. And those of you listen to podcasts, who've been longtime listeners know that I talk about this all the time about being networked uh, with other pastor, uh, pastors. And yeah. um, if you can't, and if you have your, if you're in a position where you can't, or you don't are not connected, don't know people, there's plenty of online uh, uh, type of resources. And one thing I talk about a lot is youth ministry booster. Uh, get connected with them and you can get uh, in a network of pastors nationally uh, to where you can get advice and help and different avenues uh, of ministry. Uh, there's, there's one thing, other thing that I think that is on both of our list because you kind of hinted it a little bit earlier mm-hmm. uh, is the people, one specific person, uh, not person, but people, one in your yeah. life, one in my life, uh, that have been speaking to us during this time. But I'll let you discuss that. Since you've mentioned it before, you hinted it, I'll let you go into that. Yeah, and, uh, and if, you, if you are married uh, as a student pastor, your wife is in a very unique position. Um, she is a pastor's wife uh, in all intents and purposes. And a lot of times, if someone complains about student ministry, so it's not necessarily directly to the youth pastor. It's to the it's to your wife, and so my wife has uh, has and and still does uh, you know get some of those the feedback and some of the things of well you know well this was done and I wish it was done differently. Well, then it goes to her, and then she has to be in the between a rock and a hard place of of trying to be the third person involved and trying to express some of those frustrations, but also at the same time, giving you valuable feedback about your youth ministry. And I'll be the first to admit that, that I underutilized my wife and and her feedback. I've, I've not been the best at taking her suggestions and applying it into my student ministry. And uh, I think that goes back again to the kind of ownership and pride aspect of it. But uh, my wife, has been the the person that uh, was was there through it all, and, and I, I would say also that that it puts a, a stress in the ministry puts a strain on your on your marital relationship. It does, and you can either cling closer to your wife or allow that to push you further away. Uh, but my wife Heather was a, an amazing woman of God who was praying for me. Uh, who invested herself personally into my student ministry by discipling students and talking with them and talking with parents too and things like that. And she was there with me all along and was a a supreme driving factor in helping me to get through those difficulties. So shout out to to my wife, Heather. Uh, She was my rock throughout that whole thing, still is to this day. And and I, I really appreciate God sending her to me and allowing me to be her husband because she is an amazing woman and was, uh, was awesome in uh, pushing me through those, those really difficult times of the, of student ministry. Yeah. My, my story is very similar. Um, 
during during the times the time when I was really struggling, uh, again going back to this fifth year, mm-hmm. um, my wife was encouraging me. Um, she was uh, reminding me of all the kids that were spiritually growing, have grown their faith. Uh, reminded me of kids who have have actually won other students to to Christ, mm-hmm. and, and 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 so she was. During that time, she was very, very, uh, very much uh, helping me to get out of that period of discouragement just by being there for me, lifting me up, encouraging me, reminding me of things, how God's working. Um, and I would not be where I'm at ministry-wise uh, without my wife as well, because she's just like Heather is for you. Um, yeah. Ashley is very, very much involved in my ministry and, in fact, uh, extremely involved uh, when it comes to ministering to girls, um, and she has she has helped to take the some aspects when it comes to ministering to girls uh, to another level in my ministry. If I didn't have her there, uh, my ministry would not be where it is today. Uh, so she's a very vital part in, in what I do, and she loves it. She enjoys it. That's ingrained in her uh, student ministry is ingrained in her, and she enjoys it. Of course, now that she's a mom and now she's working, it's a little bit harder to do yeah. some things that she's doing. She's That's she gets more, a little bit more exhausted uh, quicker uh, than she used to because of just the nature of working and us having uh, younger kids. But um, right, she was very much a vital part of getting out of that discouragement. And also, at the same time during that period, she was also well. She does this a lot, which every good spouse should. Uh, was uh, speaking uh, to me, speaking truth to me, and pointing out things in my life that needs to change, that that's not measuring up. And she would she would do it um, in a very subtle ways, in very good ways. And some, but sometimes me being a prideful uh, human being uh, would uh, not respond the best well, the best way, and be defensive. Um, but this and. Even through that prideful period of I was going through, I was in selfishness I was struggling with. Uh, she was always pointing truth to me and making me realize there's things in my life that in that in that time there were things in my life that I needed to change, and that's that's because of her is a reason why I, I gradually saw that I was not leading myself spiritually the way I should. Right, right, and I I agree completely. It's. Uh... It's easy to to be offended when someone points out something that needs to change and uh, to be defensive. And I, I'm just as guilty of that. Um, and uh, but yeah, listen to your spouse because they have valuable feedback. They have objective feedback, personal up close feedback, uh, and they they are a resource your student ministry. Uh, so yeah, reach out to your spouse, listen to them. And sometimes you just need to shut up and do what they ask you to do. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree. And I, I learned that uh, very, very uh, quickly. Um, when I realized yeah. my wife, nine out of 10 times is right. And I'm usually wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. 100%. Uh, well, well, Michael, um, if, if somebody wanted to get uh, connected with you, either has want to ask more questions about um, the struggle that you dealt with in fifth year, and, and or ask more questions about that, or just ministry in general, what what is the best way to get in contact with you? 
Uh, well, I'm on, I'm on social media, uh, so uh, you can check me out there, Michael Braddock, or you can uh, just look up First Baptist Church, Bluff City, Tennessee. Uh, that's where I'm at. Or you can, uh, you can call me, uh, call me at the church office, uh, or you can email me. My email address is submerged1bc for Submerged First Baptist Church, submerged1bc at gmail.com. And uh, you can connect me, find me, do whatever you need to. And, uh, and I would be more than happy to, uh, to talk with anybody that is maybe just not even, you might be struggling with 50 year stuff, or you just might have some questions about student ministry. I've been at this for, uh, this, this is my 11th year. So I'm, even though I'm 33, I'm one of the old guys in student ministry. And so I'm coming to that realization. So I've got some wisdom. I've got some things of, Hey, you don't want to do this or Hey, this worked for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to pour into anybody. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for coming out of the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm really thankful for Michael for taking his time out to kind of share a little bit about his story and struggles uh, and ministry. And uh, I like the that we both kind of went back and forth talking about each other's struggles and what we did to overcome it. Um, during that about fifth year of both of our ministries. Um, if you're listening and, and you're going through a period of just discouragement uh, in ministry, I would I would encourage you to reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. Um, you can DM me. Um, both my handles on Facebook and Instagram is just Youth and Culture 2000. Uh, youth and culture 2000 uh, you can dm me um or you can actually just leave a uh, a rating or review account in the comments and just uh sharing some stuff there as well if you would like to either way i would encourage you to reach out to me i would love to talk to you i would love to encourage you uh because ministry is hard and it and it's and it, it quite frankly has periods of deep discouragement because Satan's constantly trying to destroy our ministries and our influence on students. So I encourage you to reach out. Again, I'm very thankful for Michael to come out and to share about his hardships and what he did to overcome them. Again, you don't want to miss next week's episode. Next week, we're going to be talking to Dean and Sarah. Um, he wrote a book about cultural uh, Christians. And we're going to be just kind of fleshing that out. How does that apply to uh, youth ministries and how does that look like in youth ministries? So you definitely don't want to miss next week's episode.